Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Utah's First Lady, Abby Cox. Today's episode is one I'm really excited about. I was able to sit down with Utah's Lieutenant Governor, Deidre Henderson. We talked about her, her background. We talked about her ability to be a non-traditional student. And we talked about what she's learned in her new role. And then I got to talk to the friends about it, which was a really good time. I think we're going to enjoy this deep dive into one of the most remarkable women in our state. All right, let's get proximate. Welcome back to uh, First Lady and Friends. We are thrilled today to have uh, Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson here in studio talking to us today. So welcome, Deidre. Well, thank you, Abby. Lieutenant Governor Deidre. First Lady Abby. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard when we've known each other in other uh, lives, and so um, it's it's we got to get used to this. This is fun. <laughs> so we are just absolutely thrilled. Um, how's it going? How do you feel? This has been a wild few months. Where are you at right now mentally? Um, it has been a wild few months, and it, where I'm at mentally depends really on the moment. Uh, right now, I'm doing okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, let's start. Like I, I want to kind of go back. I know. A lot of people know you, but, um, and I'm sure we'll just have thousands of listeners here to, <laughs> to get to know you, but I, I just want to go do a little, you know, biographical stuff. Tell me about, you know, where you, where you're from. Uh, tell me a little bit of your family history. Uh, um, you know, those kinds of things. Well, I, I live in Spanish Fork. I've been in Spanish Fork with my husband and kids for, um, 23 years. Uh, we moved there in 1998. And uh, it's not where I was born and raised. Um, people used to ask me, where, where are you from? And I, I never knew what to tell them because I, I grew up kind of all over the place and my family moved a lot when I was growing up. But now I can say with certainty that I'm from Spanish Fork. And uh, that's where we've raised our kids. And we have five kids. Gabe and I have uh, five kids, four daughters and one son. Um, I call him my favorite son. And, uh, and we have a favorite daughter. Yes, so. <laughs> yes you know all about that. Yes. And, uh, and, and but my youngest is a senior in high school. So I just have one left at home and the other four are raised. Um, and uh, three, three of my daughters are married. Very no, nice. no grandkids yet. Yet. <laughs> No, tell me about your your kids. So this, I feel like this is a something that, and I've talked about this a little bit before. I feel like I was very unprepared. I feel a little betrayed by some of my sisters, my friends who have had adult children. Like, how has it been for you to 
raise adult children or to not raise, but、um, parent, I guess. It's very different than, than your little kids. It, it absolutely is. So it's funny because when I was, I, I call it the collecting babies stage because I, I had five kids in eight years and, and so, I felt so crazy collecting children. <laughs> and,、um, and I thought, You know, I can't have more than five because I don't think I can go through another toddler stage ever again. And, and then when my kids were teenagers, I thought, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm glad that I don't have to do teenagers more than five times.、Um, and you're right, adult kids is just something special. Now, I, I have really good kids. I love my kids, but it is hard to parent adults because you, you know, you can't take away the car keys.、Um, you can't. <laughs> the, the phone is there. There's no leverage there. <laughs> you, you have to just, you have to just, I, I kind of have a, a, a little rule for myself where if I feel really strongly that I need to say something, I, I'll say it one, one time and then I've said my thing and I have to just let it lie. And, and that's, it's hard for me.、Um, But it's been a, a good learning experience and growing experience for me. And I, I love the relationship that I have with my adult kids.、Um, it's, it's, it's wonderful,、uh, especially with the married kids. It's even a, a different dynamic. And you haven't experienced that no, yet. No, we have not. But it's darn even, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's even different when they're married versus when they're not.、Um, but I love my sons in law. I, I have three incredible. Sons in law that we're really grateful for and we love dearly and、uh, are happy to have in our family. Oh, that was so good. And you, yeah, so Gavin and I had this conversation the other day. He calls me and he says,、um, Mom, how do I get my stimulus check? <laughs> and I said, Well, we claim you as a dependent, so it's going into our bank account. <laughs> He's like, Well, no, my friend told me I could do it. And I'm like, Well, Yeah. When I stop paying for your insurance and you're for your phone, then maybe we'll talk about your exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah, this, this adult parenting thing is, is really kind of kicking my butt, too. So, <laughs> it does. It does. But it's, these are good problems to have, I've decided. They are. They are. So, tell me a little bit about Gabe. So, Gabe and I have gotten to know each other、uh, the last little while. The, the second gentleman is, is what we refer to him as. And, um, Tell me how he's settling in. How are you guys working through this together? How's it going? You know, it's, it's going well, I think.、Uh, people, <laughs> people say, how, how, How's Gabe doing? And how's your family? And I, a couple of times I've had to answer, Well, I assume fine.、Uh, <laughs> no news is good news. <laughs> I haven't heard otherwise. <laughs> it's been a really busy few months for us, and it's been particularly busy for Gabe、um, in his business. So he's a physical therapist, and he, he has a, you know, a business that contracts with home health agencies along the Wasatch Front. He employs、uh, various kinds of, of therapists, and it's been kind of a rough year for that industry.、Yeah. Um, it, it's been rough in a lot of different ways, and so he's just taken a lot on his shoulders. Um, but he is,、uh, he is a trooper. He is amazing and、um, always so supportive. I, I joke, he's, he's not just supportive of me, he actually like, pushes me.、Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's my biggest fan.、Uh, we, we used to do parades back well, before COVID. I, I think one of the positive things about COVID was all the parades were canceled last、I、year. I agree. And, <laughs> and, but we used to be in these parades, and he would always hold up this sign. 
and that he hand wrote himself this big poster board that said, I'd vote for her even if she wasn't my wife. I love that so and, much. And that's, that's just kind of sums up Gabe right there. He's just been an incredible partner, an incredible supporter. Um, and I, I couldn't do any of the things that I do without him. And he's an incredible dad to our kids. Yeah. Well, and I agree that he's fantastic because I've gotten to know him the last year or so. And um, just in the last few weeks, we've we've done a few events together and it's been really fun. We did the, the YWCA project together and he's he's a great painter and a, and a good worker and he was amazing. So we, we can't wait to continue those conversations with him and with you and uh, we'll take a break and be right back. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are back with Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson here today. We're so excited to have her. Um, let's talk COVID because <laughs> this it's our favorite has, topic. This is what we talk about now <laughs> forever. Uh, hopefully not forever. But um, so I don't know if if all of our listeners know this, but you had COVID in August. Your family, um, some of not all of your family members, but a few of you had it. You and your husband, Gabe. And so talk about that experience, especially after having been immersed in it through the campaign and all these kinds of things. Um, Just kind of walk us through what your experience with COVID was. Well, you know, we we talked about Gabe and Gabe is given me a lot of things uh, in our marriage. <laughs> it's probably my least favorite thing that Gabe gave me. It's your uh, worst present ever. It is. It, well, so so we don't know where Gabe got it. Um, he, he got it somewhere. I mean, he, he, he wears PPE when he goes to people's homes and does physical therapy uh, with them. Um, but he, he picked it up somewhere. And it was at the beginning of August. And we were having actually a, a bridal shower for my third daughter, who was getting married in, in, in mid-August last year. And um, it, we were having it outside and we were very careful. But that morning um, when Gabe got up, he his stomach wasn't feeling well. And we had my oldest daughter and her husband had come up from St. George to help with um, the planning the the event and and helping me with the shower and we were all we were all working on this all day and he just wasn't feeling that great so we made him go to our bedroom while uh, we, we were outside with the shower and um, come to find out he had covid and uh, and and so I was I was really glad that we took the precautions that we did take because we had a lot of people in that backyard of ours and um, it was uh, it would have been a, a terrible thing it would have been yeah. I would have felt terrible if we would have spread it around but thankfully only the people in our home that were uh, close contacts with him got it we all there were five of us so it was Gabe and me um, our oldest daughter Hannah her husband Alec and then our youngest daughter Sydney and we all got it and um, I was diagnosed. A week before our daughter Brooklyn's wedding, and so we had to postpone the wedding. 
And uh, it was it was it was rough. I mean, that was disappointing and it was difficult. But thankfully, uh, you know, Brooklyn married into this incredible family that uh, her new mother-in-law kind of took over because I was really sick. Wow, you she took really over sick. and replanned the whole wedding and, and really did everything that that I as mother of the bride should have done but couldn't do because of how sick I was. And it was only um, a couple of days before the wedding that my doctor actually cleared me to go. I ended up being on supplemental oxygen for a couple of months and uh, really, really struggled and continued to struggle even after that for a long time. I'm I'm really feeling like I'm doing better now, um, not back to 100%, but feeling like I can... I can get to 100%. So that's at least yeah. hope. That's at least better than maybe where I thought I might be last fall when I was in the thick of it. Well, yeah, and you're you're considered one of those long haulers because of just the repercussions that happened. Yes. I mean, you you even had some back issues? Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, I have a, an autoimmune arthritis uh, which just kind of threw all sorts of complications in, into this. Um, I ended up having a, a pretty big flare up uh, with COVID. And did you do? Oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but there's there's this. Um, so my my family also has autoimmune issues. Uh, my dad has um, rheumatoid arthritis, as does two as do two of my sisters, and so uh, we were all really concerned. Um, but do, I know with arthritis, a lot of times you go off your medication. Um, for different reasons. And then the flare-ups happen because you're the, regulating the medicine. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say exactly what happened, but I did. I They did take me off my immunosuppressants because they were worried about me being able to fight COVID. Yeah. But I but I also have um, infusion therapy. So, I, you know, you can't yeah. go off that. I mean, it's just there. And um, and, and we, we did postpone the next infusion for a couple of weeks. But, um, but my body also mounted this kind of extreme inflammatory response to COVID and I got pleurisy, which oh, is incredibly gosh. painful if anyone's ever had well, that's that. What you like and, you can't breathe, right? Yes. Isn't that around your the lining of your lungs? Yes. And, it's oh. inflammation there. And it's not dangerous. It's not going to kill you, but it sure hurts. <laughs> you just want to die. So. <laughs> it was it was really painful. And so so yes, I I uh, about a month and a half, maybe six weeks later, I, I started getting severe back pain. Um my uh my leg was hurt really bad all, all down my left leg. And then it just went numb. So mm. from the tips of my toes up to my knee, just totally numb and this weird mixture of numbness and excruciating pain. And so uh, my husband, who is a physical therapist, uh, said, you know what? I'm pretty sure you've got a disc problem. Uh, we need to get you in for an MRI. And I I resisted. But uh, eventually, you know, a couple days later, we he, was just so bad and the numbness was really um, concerning to me. And so we went in and sure enough, I had a disc that had exploded and was severely compressing a nerve and ended up having a discectomy about a week later. Um, the doctor said that my the, the um, ligament over my spine was severely inflamed and weakened. Um, but because of that discectomy, which was not that big of a deal, um, but I ended up... Um, getting uh, a spinal cord leak which just awful I'm telling you the worst thing I have ever experienced in my life and so I ended up having two other back surgeries to try to fix the leak Um, the third surgery uh, that I had was uh, they had to like take off the some bone and to get to access that leak 
and and then fuse it back together. So I ended up with the spinal fusion I didn't need in order to fix the spinal cord leak that was a result of really of the epidural injection that I got oh, before my gosh. first discectomy. And so it was just kind of this compounding of problem after problem. And at the time, you know, of course, I we were running a, a statewide campaign. And yes, I, yes, I know. <laughs> I, yeah, and I just I, I told Spencer one day, I'm like, I promise you didn't buy a lemon. <laughs> I was so worried. It was just I would I would he would he would call me and say, How are you doing? Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing great. And then the next day I'd be in the hospital. And, and it happened over and over. And I started feeling like, oh my gosh, he is regretting picking me as his running mate because I am just nothing but trouble right now. But thankfully we've worked through a no, lot of those and that's problems. The thing. I from our end, it was like Holy crap, she is tough as nails because she was doing all this stuff. You were doing so much when all this health stuff was going on. And it was was crazy. It was wild. I spent election day in the emergency room, which was somehow fitting for 2020. It felt felt very appropriate for 2020. (laughs) Well, you came down that night. We had just just a handful of us in Fairview and you came. We didn't know if you were coming down. I do remember that. We were we were we thought you weren't. And then when you showed up looking pretty green, (laughs) (laughs) giving a speech in front of, you know, a camera, but that, and, you know, not just the handful of us, but, but really like I thought and coming off and basically collapsing in Gabe's arms, it was, it was tough. It, it was tough for us to watch. We were, we were completely worried about yeah. you. You and- know, it was tough. And I, at, on, at that day, I, you know, they weren't sure what was wrong with me. They thought maybe it was aseptic meningitis. Mm. They weren't sure it was a spinal cord leak yet. And the, so the next day, um, you know, we did, Spencer and I did all those in, in studio yes. media interviews all day until about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I was at a 10. I could not do one more thing. And, and Spencer was so he's like, go, go home. I got the rest of this. You know, you're, <laughs> you're fine. Um, and it was later that week that we, you know, had some imaging and found that I, I did, in fact, have a spinal cord leak, which I did not know was a thing until then. Oh. And, um, and, and so, yeah, it was tough. And I have to say, you know, I, we had, I was still in the state legislature. I was in the state senate, and was we had uh, interim committee meetings, and 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 Spencer and I were interviewing people for cabinet positions and all of these things. And I did a lot of um, a lot of uh, meetings from my hospital bed, and yeah. and I kept joking that you know the really good thing about uh, virtual meetings is you can do them from anywhere. Yeah, and and the really bad thing about virtual meetings is you, you can, can do, do them, them from, from anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> There's, there is no excuse, including being in the hospital. I think you, that would have probably been a good excuse. <laughs> but no, thank you for those. That like I, I guess I really want people to understand. Um, and again, on this podcast, we're really about sharing people's stories and really in an effort to create more empathy. And I've I've gone through a lot of my experience, and I'm sure you have as well. And I'm sure it's not especially fun for you when you hear people say, "It's not a big deal. It's it's like COVID is you know just it's a fake it's a thing. It's a hoax. <laughs> it's a whatever. You know, we hear it. We hear those those people say those things, and um, I get really brokenhearted when I hear that because I think it's a disconnect in empathy. I think it's a disconnect between, you know, like, I haven't personally experienced this, and so therefore it doesn't exist. And I think that's where we have an 
empathy breakdown. Uh, would you say that? What What are your feelings when you hear someone having gone through what you went through with COVID and someone tells you it's a hoax? I'm sure it feels awesome when they say that. It, it is frustrating to me. And, and, you know, we all have our own personal experiences. And just because we've experienced something ourselves doesn't mean that, uh, you know, everybody else experiences the same thing. And, and I think coming from that place, as you said, of empathy and of trying to understand people and trying to really peer into to where they're coming from is really important. And if there's one thing that we've learned during the pandemic, it is to is to do that, hopefully, right? To understand that other people's experiences may be different than ours and and that uh, we need to approach that with, with some grace mm-hmm. and some understanding and some empathy. Um, lots of lessons in flexibility over the past <laughs> year and and maybe thinking about other people before ourselves. And and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's one of the good things that can come out of this pandemic. Yeah. So so you talk about sort of these silver linings with with COVID. What are what are you what do you think are some other I mean, we there's some really horrible things we had. I mean, just dear family and friends that passed away. And so we've we've just seen it with our own eyes, how devastating this disease can be. I've I had a sister who, like you, kind of went through COVID initially, kind of, you know, was sick, but came out of it. And then uh, two months later, ends up being lifelighted from San Pete County to Utah County with a terrible infection inside her stomach and related to COVID because it just built up this mass of infection and she had to have this surgery. She was in ICU for a week. My goodness. And it was just awful. She just got back. She was able to, she's been coaching my daughter's basketball team. I had to, I had to come and, and coach one of the games, which we ended up winning really close, which was awesome. So I, I obviously am coach of the year. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> but, but I actually was so relieved to have her come back and be coaching. So she's, she's back, but it was, it was a good long while. So we, we've seen those things and we're trying to, to, we've seen it firsthand. But there are a few silver linings like you talked about. What, what do you think are some more of those silver, silver linings? Well, every time you uh, encounter some challenges or difficulties, you can either look at them as challenges or difficulties, or you can look at them as potential opportunities. And I think um, that, that there are really a lot of ways that we can look at these as opportunities. And one of them, you know, it, I've been going back to school, for example. I am, I'm about as non-traditional as they get when it comes to being a student. And, uh, and, and, I actually had increased access to higher education last year because of COVID, because so many things were were put online. It increased uh, my personal access, and I know a lot of people who had increased their access as well. And I think we can really learn from some of the things like that. Uh, what are what are some ways that we can take what we've learned? We want to get back to normal. We want to go to life how it was before the pandemic. But there are some ways um, that we have really... Um, been presented with opportunities that we should grasp. And, and some of it is that in that technology. Other other ones are in the way we uh, deal with other people, in the way we, um, you know, value our time and our connections and our families and really learned to, to strip out unnecessary things and focus on the things in our lives that are of most importance. No, I love that. And I, my daughter, I remember we were having a conversation because she'd been 
quarantined because of, you know, at school for for a few weeks. I think it was her basketball team. I think somebody tested positive. So we, we were quarantined for several weeks. And she our middle school wasn't um, doing sort of the remote. It was either online or in person and there was no in between. And so we we had to Anyway, she was out for several weeks and trying to get things from teachers and just really upset because she's a little bit of a perfectionist. She's very driven. And she just said, I don't know if I'm going to get an A. And she was so upset. And I said, honey, this right now, we are just going to give ourselves some grace. We are going to be okay with whatever happens because this is where we are right now. So, um, and I love that you brought up your your experience as a non traditional student. So we want to explore that some more and ask and uh, get some more on that in a minute. We'll be right back. We are back with the lieutenant governor, and um, we were talking about your. Uh, educational journey. And I love this so much because, um, you know, when I was when I was in school, Spencer and I were first married and we were both in school. And um, I just I just was really driven to finish because I knew if I didn't, um, it was going to be really, really tough. Uh, and and it was just it, and it, it ended up being really tough for me. I, I actually Spencer graduated and I still had student teaching to do, and I we were he went we were headed to Virginia to law school, and then I was panicky because I wasn't finished, and I had this incredible uh, professor named Barb Fichtel at Utah State, and she said, Abby, we're going to make this work. This is before really before much internet, <laughs> there was a little bit of internet, but really before things really took off and we could do things like this, and and I literally was in my I was pregnant with my first uh, son. We, I was driving an hour from our where we lived in Lexington to Waynesboro, Virginia, and I was doing student teaching there. I was about six months pregnant, <laughs> and I was videotaping my programs, putting them in an envelope, and sending them back to Barb <laughs> at, at Utah State. She would do my evaluations and and then send them back. And so it was. It's crazy. You talk about accessibility. It was crazy what we did. I somehow I when I finished my student teaching, I did my portfolio, finished about Christmas time, and had a baby in January. So my goodness! <laughs> so I barely got under the gun. <laughs> but your your trajectory was is very different, and I I think not different. And it's non-traditional, but it's not as non-traditional as we like to common. think. Yeah, because <laughs> again, we talked to to our friend Don Ramsey, who's actually in the same boat you are right now. Yes. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about your story, your educational journey. Well, I I uh, I graduated from high school in Minnesota, and and the day after I graduated from high school, we actually moved. My family moved to Hartford, Connecticut, and so uh, I was there for the summer. My family was living in Connecticut when I came out to. to to Provo to attend BYU. And I, I, you know, my freshman year, it was my, it was the first day of my second semester when I met Gabe. Uh, we were in the same French class together. And um, I, which is very romantic, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. It's true. Our, our first date was to, to go see a French movie for class, Toto Le Hero. And uh, it was a terrible it. movie, but uh, it was a fun date. <laughs> and um, I did what I swore I would never do, which was to get married after my freshman year at BYU. And, um, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of resources. 
And I ended up pausing school yeah. in order to work two jobs. Which a lot of people do. Right. To put my husband through. Uh, he ended up going through physical therapy school. By the time he graduated from physical therapy school, we had two children, um, two babies. And I ended up having to really, you know, put a lot of my own things, <laughs> personal desires yeah. on hold uh, to take care of my family. And, and it's not that I didn't want to take care of my family. I did. Right. That that was what I wanted to do. It was it was a priority for me. Um, and 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 I did that and I loved it. Um, you know, it was it was a good 13 years of wiping noses and bottoms and yep. and uh, collecting my babies and I had five babies in 8 years and and um it was it was great um but I always wanted to go back to school and I didn't know what that would look like uh we we didn't have a lot of money couldn't really afford it I didn't know you know what I would do with all of these children that I had while I went <laughs> back uh so I I did some independent study courses here and there and I always thought when my youngest child uh, started school that I would go back to school myself. But by then, I was actually uh, working for um, Jason Chaffetz, who was running for Congress. It was 2008 and um, ended up working a, a year for free for him. And that's kind of how I fell into politics. Um, and so I, I just piecemealed it for a long time. And then I was elected to the Senate in 2012. And, uh, and I... I always heard all these stories, you know, we were sitting in meetings and they'd talk about how problematic it was that women in Utah were not finishing their degrees and it's a waste of taxpayer money. And this is such a huge problem. And I was so ashamed that I was one of those problem women, uh, was, was how it was framed and how I thought about it and was always lived in fear that someone would find out about me <laughs> and, and expose my truth that I hadn't, wasn't a college graduate. And it was just this thing that was really holding me back. And I finally decided to, to to really start going back to school here here and there, which is hard when you've got a, a growing family and you've got you know a job and public service. It's really hard to to prioritize that. Um, in 2014, after my second legislative session, I uh, went back to campus and I, I took a class on campus. It was a political science class. It was a really big class, and uh, one day the department heads came in to talk about legislative internship opportunities. And it was at that moment that I realized with a great deal of horror that I did not qualify to be my own intern. Um, I could be the <laughs> state senator. So wild. So wild. <laughs> but I, I love this be, story. I couldn't be my intern. And so um, that was very eye-opening. And I finally decided after that, you know what? I am not the only woman in this position. I am not the only woman who has had to put some of these things on the back burner for a while to, to prioritize family and other and other things in life. And I'm going to stop being ashamed of it. And I'm going to stop hiding from it. And I'm going to start telling my story and being really open about the difficulties and the challenges. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I, I started back full time in school in 2019. And then last year, you know, I was supposed to graduate this April, but uh, last year, Spencer <laughs> kind of put a little another little wrinkle in my in my life's your, plans. Your which education is, journey yes, just took a little detour. It, yes, uh, and so um, you know, I, I had to slow down a little bit last year, and then of course with all of the problems that happened last fall, I, I ended up having to to kind of uh, pause a little bit there too. Um, but uh, I'm I'm actually. Um, uh, Engaging in a in a an in internship this 
semester for for yourself <laughs> in the lieutenant governor's office. And um, love it. It's in fact, I've got an uh, my internship report is due tonight at midnight. So <laughs> I, I uh, it's it's been it's been great, and I'm really grateful for those opportunities, and I'm I'm grateful for the flexibility that that I've been able to have. It has been a really long journey, but it's something. Yeah. I'm a history major now. I changed from political science to history, and I love it. And I feel I find it to be very relevant in what I do, and and very worthwhile skills. But it's also been eye opening for me to see um, the challenges that are there that maybe are arbitrary challenges and restrictions that we build into the system that don't need to be there. Yeah. And I think we can rethink some things and and make things easier and better um, and even rethink what it means to be qualified for a job right. um, and 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 work to provide more opportunities for people. That is something that your husband and I are very passionate about, which is providing opportunities. That's one of the six pillars of our administration is equality and opportunity and making sure that we are providing and expanding opportunity for every Utah. And I think a piece of it, a big piece of it is this education piece where we, we want to stop putting um, arbitrary restrictions in place that impede people and we want people to feel empowered and to have access and so so I think my personal experience has been very enlightening uh, for that and to see how how some of these things affect uh, real people and and what we can do to make a change I love that so much and without your experience being in the legislature being in the Senate I mean that's the beauty of sort of this citizen legislature right is that you bring these experiences and then you make the laws better. You make the process better. So I absolutely love that. Okay, so we're, we we want to kind of shift gears and do some some real rapid fire questions. Although before we really get into rapid fire, there's one that I that I want to ask you. That um, so Spencer, I people always ask him, you know, how did you prepare for this job? Obviously, it wasn't a job he really sought out, thought. I mean, it's not like it wasn't part of his life's plan. It wasn't part of our life's plan. But um, but he always tells me, like, the one of the biggest things that helped him, like, really weirdly prepare for prepare him for what he does now. He did a lot of, like, speech and debate in school. And a lot of he loved drama, like he was in musicals like you. And um, so he always says that actually really for what he does now, it really it really does help you. It makes you think quick on your feet. It makes you comfortable in front of people. It makes you, you know, be, it, it helps you to do all these types of things that he's doing now. Um, obviously law school helps him to think and, and his education helps him to really process information in a critical way. So, but what are, so maybe just a surprising thing that you, that prepared you for this current role. Well, I mean, Spencer's right. The theater experiences um, that I had really did prepare me. So something surprising about me is I, I, after I was married to Gabe, I one of my part time jobs was I worked at the Desert Star Playhouse as an oh, actress, <laughs> and and I actually I don't think I knew that about I, you. I did. I I got paid to do it, not very much, but I mean <laughs> I got paid, and and uh, I I actually uh, was an actress there until I was four months pregnant with my oldest child and couldn't zip my Maid Marian costume up anymore. <laughs> so that, that, you know that's one of the surprising things oh I guess gosh, that I love a melodrama actress. Uh, you know who knew. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. So there's a so let's let's start our rapid questions here by uh what do you think people often get wrong about you? Oh, well, um 
I, I think they probably think I am more educated than I am. And, 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 <laughs> That's our dirty little secret today. It's all out. It's out, it's out there. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So if you were to have chosen a different career path, what do you think it would have been? Well, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a ballerina. So mm. I, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't have politician in, in my mind, <laughs> certainly not lieutenant governor. So Well, and what I think is so beautiful now is that you being here and being uh, so open about your experience um, and hopefully sharing this with as many people as we possibly can and them just seeing you, you know, that idea of you can't be it unless you see it, um, that little girls will say, maybe that's what I want to do. Well, I, I hope I hope so, but I'll, I will just encourage them to not shoot for lieutenant governor. Maybe maybe shoot for governor. Shoot governor. Yes. Well, that, that's still in the cards. <laughs> um, so, what's your favorite thing about the first gentleman, Gabe? The second gentleman, Gabe. Oh, that's the second. I'm the first. <laughs> I forgot. Sorry. Um, I, you know, I always, I always joke that he's my ace in the hole. He's, he's my secret weapon. Gabe is incredibly likable, and he is so good at making connections with people and uh, and getting to know them and helping people feel comfortable. And and he's he's a really good uh, role model for me um, in how to. Uh, really get to know people and to and to make them feel comfortable and he's just he's a likable person he really is I totally agree um so name three sounds that are your favorite sounds um I love the sound of the ocean mm-hmm. I love the sound of birds um and I honestly I love the sound of silence <laughs> yes <laughs> right after you after you've been a mom of five babies yes. like I have this thing like I I tell people like I have a chaos meter and when I get to the top of that it's like I'm done it's time for me to find a quiet place by myself yes <laughs> definitely <laughs> I love that um so what podcasts or TV shows do you binge or do you because you probably don't have any time. <laughs> oh well, I I love I love historical drama. So I love like The Crown, Victoria. Ooh, I, love the Crown. I loved yeah. Downton Abbey, uh, Poldark. Love stuff like that. Yeah, all the PBS Utah stuff. Which yes, I love. yes. <laughs> um, so if you could talk to any person in history, who would it be? Because you've studied this. So who who's your favorite historical person that you would just love to meet? Um, you know, I probably would love to meet some of the, uh, the powerful women, uh, we don't learn a lot about them, but you know Queen Elizabeth the first, mm. uh, even Queen Elizabeth the second, Margaret Thatcher, um, you know there, uh, Joan of Arc. I mean there there are a number. I always feel drawn to those uh, the the women in in history who have uh, made a huge difference. Uh, I know there's probably more than what we know about. I know there is. Um, yes, and and uh, we need to start. Focusing on digging up and unearthing and and dusting oh. off some of those stories and focusing on those because they're really powerful to me. Absolutely. And the other part of that is, so I was talking uh, yesterday a little bit to some women about Abigail Adams because obviously she's my namesake, and so I've studied a lot about her. And what I've what I said too was that there's probably so many women like her, but because she was such a meticulous letter writer, and because they saved i mean you know there we t- we talk about hamilton and and um his wife burned all her letters right. and so did so did martha washington a lot of those were lost because they just i don't know if it was a thing that they just did like they cleaned house which is probably 
more my style. Just throw Burn it away, everything. get rid of it, or don't don't have junk laying around. But because she saved it, and because she was such a pro- prolific letter writer. Um, we know so much about her and about what she was thinking about what women were going through at that period in time. So it's so yeah. important. Emmeline B. Wells is another one here in Utah who uh, kept a lot of diaries and has been really it's been really instructive to learn about her and read read uh, about what she and other Utah women were doing, um, especially in regards to uh, women's suffrage and the early women's suffrage movement in the 1800s. I love that. Yeah. And, and, and important for us to study that. Okay. A couple of quick more, a uh, few more. Uh, a regular moment in your life that bring you tr- brings you true joy. Oh, you know, anytime I get to just be present with my, with my family, I, I, I love that. Um, when I can decompress and turn my brain off uh, f- for a minute and just you know, play games and laugh and be with my kids and my husband. I love that. Okay, last one. What's on your nightstand? A lot of books. <laughs> and a, a lot of your your history books that you're reading yeah, for your classes. Yes, a lot a lot of books and uh, and and probably a few uh, half drunk water bottles. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you reading like right now? What's your So right now I'm I'm reading a book actually that Spencer gave me. Um these truths. Um and uh, by Jill Lepore. Um, and it's a, a book on American history. And I, I absolutely love it. Okay. Dirty Little Secret. He hasn't read that, but I did. And that's why we gave those books out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he will. I know he will. But I love that book because it really is history from d- a different perspective. Yes. Like, absolutely. From women, yep. from people of color from the indigenous people. And I just, I don't know first. And then you get into it. it, Maybe you're not there yet, but talking a lot about polling, which was really fascinating to me, sort of the history of, of political polls, which was just mind blowing for me. So anyway, it's a great book. Lieutenant governor, this has been absolutely delightful and I cannot wait for people to get to know you better through this podcast. We're so appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to the Lieutenant Governor for being here. We've learned so much about her. She's a dear friend, and it's been a pleasure of our lifetime to get to know her and her family. Um, you can find her office at ltgovernor at utah.gov, and she's on Facebook and Twitter at Deidre Henderson. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Until next time, thank you for being a friend.